Welcome to another edition of the Power Connector Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dickow, and joining me today is the co-founder of Trimedic and Vice President of Integration and Operation, a dear friend who I've known for, I want to say, 30 years, not more, maybe a few more, and someone that I admire in business and respect in life. And as we start all of these conversations, for me, this podcast is an opportunity to have what I like to refer to as a curiosity conversation where we can learn from our guests a little bit about their journey, about how they develop and build relationships, and most importantly, how they got into the chair that they're in today. Ben, it's great to see you as always. And uh, I'll start our conversation today with the way I like to start most, if not all. And that's basically asking what's new and exciting in your world. Well, a lot, uh, a lot to be excited about and a lot of new things happening. Uh, seems like often more than I'd like to admit. Um, it's been uh, a roller coaster of a year. Uh, you know, as you said earlier, we, as a co-founder at Dry Medic, uh, my partner and I uh, went on a journey to start a business where we can impact people in a positive way and at the same time create uh, a way for us to flourish and uh, make our mark. And we set out on that journey and together uh, through hard work, dedication and honesty, we, we built a business that uh, truly transformed uh, how we can help others in their time of need. And then at the same time, uh, give a culture to people working out there to give them something to work towards uh, and not just chase dollars, but chase success. So it's been a lot of fun doing it. And uh, as earlier, you mentioned my, my titles changed a little bit. So uh, started out as our own privately owned uh, entity and we went out and exited the business, so to speak, but still in the business working together alongside of our partners who purchased us. Um, so we've, we sold the business back in November, and uh, here we are about uh, eight months later, uh, plugging away and just growing and continuing to do what we love, and that's just helping others get to where they want to be. Give us a snapshot for the business. How did you guys arrive at uh, the restoration space? And, you know, you didn't have that in your background. It's something that you kind of determined. I think you were you were always hands-on, right? You, you did some carpentry work. You always were comfortable using your hands on a tool belt. But give me a, an idea for how did that conversation happen? Because it's been a wild ride for you these last 10 years. It's been a tremendous ride. And, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of it has uh, a lot of divine intervention in my world uh, with that. Uh, I've, I've always grown up, like you said, Derek, uh, enjoying using tools and, and really understanding how to put things together at a very early age. I think you were probably seven or eight, and I, I think I was even at your parents' house at one time putting together a barbecue grill for them. Uh, my parents used to take me to all their friends' houses to do that. Um, so really early on, I really enjoyed building things. I really put things together, and I had that mindset of, of an engineer to, to, to take things apart, put them back together. Um, as I went through the journey of life, I met Carlos Sassano, who's uh, my business partner, and we used to see each other around all the time. He would do of different tile services, and I was doing home renovations and so on and so forth. And as life uh, went on, we both ventured off into other realms that gave us some more uh, business background that we would need that we utilize today. And our early journey, uh, I became a, a, a construction worker. Uh, I owned my own construction company. I used to do commercial and residential. Uh, a lot of the uh, residential experience came from guys that were buying properties. We were doing flips. And I would go in and renovate all those properties, and then get them ready. Um, as years pro, uh, went on, uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, we've all have those horror stories. We don't have enough time in this podcast to go through that horror story, but uh, we, I actually lost everything. Uh, went completely bankrupt. Uh, didn't file bankruptcy, but lost it all. 
uh, moved in with my mom and dad and my wife and three kids at that time to their home. Uh, and then I had to reestablish myself. I did a combination of things from um, traveling across the country, selling bed linens out of a van, and then going back and forth, living at home with my parents and my wife, trying to get things together. Went back to the roots, right? Uh, as a Chaldean man, we had a lot of uh, opportunities in retail. Uh, went to my dad's store and worked for him for a period of time just to try to figure out what the next steps were. Uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work and trying to figure out who I am and what I'm going to do uh, led me down this path of home inspections. For two years, I was doing home inspections. At uh, one point, decided this wasn't for me. Again, not enough time to tell you in this podcast how that went, uh, but decided that this wasn't for me. Uh, and then I uh, ventured into, uh, and I met an individual who really opened my eyes to restoration. Uh, and he said, Ben, you know, your, your, your demeanor, your attitude, your know-how, your understanding, your communication would be great in the insurance business. You should come work for me. And I looked him square in the eye and said, you know, I appreciate that offer, but I, I want to build something for myself. Um, and, he, and he really coached me and taught me what it was to be in restoration and what it was about. Um, later on, about um, two months into it, I decided to go take a job in a restoration space. Uh, and on my way to that job interview, um, there was a fateful phone call that came in from my partner, Carlos. And he said, hey, Ben, what's going on? I haven't talked to you for a few months. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just working, doing my thing. He's like, I got an opportunity for you, and I just keep thinking about you, and you would be amazing for it. And I said, I said okay, what are, you, what are you thinking? He said, you ever hear the word restoration? And I fell out. And I was driving my car, and I started screaming. I was like, who told you to call me? I'm on my way right now to get a job. And, and he's infamously screaming. And if you know Carlos, you know how he, how he talks. He's a well-spoken person. He said, don't do it. You better not take that job. Do not do it. We're, this is for me and you. We're going to do this. And I left it to God. Uh, I arrived on that job, uh, to that job interview, and uh, I asked him. I said, show me the way. I'm at the fork in the road. I really like what Carlos was saying, and I really like this opportunity. Show it to me. Uh, and the door closed on the restoration opportunity to work for the company. Uh, and I, I called him back as soon as I left that interview, and I said, I'm in. Let's do this. Uh, and then it just became a, a, a passion. And it just it, it, a fire was lit up, and we utilized all of our skill sets. Uh, we went to him, and after everything that we were doing, we, it literally came down to all the different skill sets that we acquired through education, through hard work, through the business experiences, and most importantly, through the falls that we both had. So those experiences resonated with us and kept us moving forward to build what we built today. Yeah, I had no idea of the story from a lot of people went through some challenging times. Me too. Mm -hmm. And 0809 was really an opportunity to take a look inwards to think about how we would support the world outwards. And so I love that you bring up divine intervention, having a big role in it. And I believe in that stuff, right? There's mm -hmm. a phone call. There's an opportunity. One door closes, several others open. But you also have to have what I think you've always been blessed with, which is the mindset of thinking in a positive way and always looking and maybe saying no to the job today because there's an opportunity to do more for yourself as a business owner. And so that was 2000, you want to say 10 ish, maybe that you had that, that it was phone about call? 12, 13, 12, 13. So yeah. 12, 13, you had that phone call. You guys utilize Carlos's entrepreneurial background, your willingness and grit, grit to create this brand. And now you guys have a national platform recently been acquired by authority brands in November of 2022 and give us a snapshot of the headcount of employees. And also you mentioned developing others 
to help them build their business and their American dream within your company. Super important, right? Um, everything that we've done utilizing all the, the skills and, and things that we've, we've, we've learned over the years really led up to this point. Uh, we went into this with the full intention of figuring out how to, how to create a name for, for the, in, a, in the industry for ourselves and for our, our team members. Um, it was always about our culture. It was always about how can we strive to be the best version of ourselves every single day. And when we started the business, it was me and uh, one other individual, Jerry, uh, who was a lifelong friend of mine as well. Uh, he, he's been with me in construction. He was with me in the bad and the good. Uh, and he decided to come and join our team as well. So we started with him, myself, in a black van that we bought out of a used car dealership, sight unseen. $2,000. Let me have that van. I need something to start my business. Uh, and sheer determination. From that point, uh, every day became a systemized, documented process. So every time we did something, it was documented, it was identified, and it was scrutinized. And what would happen is we would not just look at the numbers. We would look at the impact that it had. How long did it take? Were we able to get a, a five-star review out of that client? Did the client feel serviced? Did the client feel like this was, we were truly genuine about the care that we delivered on them. And then we said, now we've mastered the client piece. We understand what that is like. How do we improve the lives of our people? Right. And we used to set goals. So in our meetings, it wouldn't just be a meeting about whether or not the revenue we did was hit or was our customer experience high. It was a, a business and personal best. And it was a goal setting. So I would ask Derek, what do you see in a year from now? What do you see in three years from now? What do you see in five years from now? And you can't see that far sometimes. I understand. Let's slim that down. What do we want to do for this quarter? What do we want to do next week? Those are the conversations we would have to coach each other and hold each other accountable so that we can get to those goals. And what we found was awesome. We found guys going from, I don't want to be here eight hours a day. I want to be here 12 hours a day. How do I get better? I need more opportunities for me to gain my goals. And I need, sometimes I need money. Sometimes it's just, I need to have a place to forget about my problems. Sometimes it's, I want to get out here and only work eight hours today because I have a big party tomorrow, but I'm going to make it up the following day. Right. And it became this whole breed of, we're not counting hours. We're counting wins. We're not counting the dollars. We're counting the success. And that's been a lot of what we did, especially in the beginning. And now we have the opportunity to do that on a global, on a national level. And the, the, the transition was from one van and, and me and one other. And we've took in, we took that all the way at the height of our exit. At one point, we were at 135 employees with 55 vans on the road. We took that. And uh, at the end of this, we, we sold, I believe we had around 97 people and about 58 vans on the road by the time the exit happened. Uh, and we were only servicing the, the Michigan market. And then also we would go out and service uh, national disasters. Uh, and today we've sold 57 territories. And we have a footprint in a, about uh, 12 states. Uh, and we're expanding rapidly every single day. Uh, we've got a, a state-of-the-art, uh, it was really a dream place for us, uh, that's getting constructed right now, a training facility, so that we can bring people in get them the information and knowledge that they need so that they can go out and be successful in their business. Yeah. So this all comes back to culture for you guys. And how often were you, or do you meet with your team on a regular basis to hold them accountable, to share wins, mm -hmm. 
share frustrations, which I'm sure you guys put on the yep. table as well to help each other troubleshoot. But how often are you guys getting together as a team to help each other out? So we have um, multiple meetings. We have a, a weekly meeting that's mandatory, and that's a leadership team meeting. Um, so all the managers of the departments are in a room. They, uh, we have a, a very, uh, very strict agenda that we go through that we, we hit on all of those. Uh, and then we do individual meetings with key, key, key people that uh, require more attention. So they'll be, um, we hold people accountable in a lot of ways. We utilize the EOS system. Some of the entrepreneurs out there understand that model. Uh, and we use the rating systems that those tools gave us. And when we identify an employee that is struggling or is having some uh, core value issues, we bring them in and we help coach them to get them back. Uh, what we've learned over the years, which I think uh, a lot of entrepreneurs really should start to focus in on, is once you bring in someone to your organization, you want to hold on to those people. And the only way that you're going to hold on to those people is by creating clear culture for them. And the other part is going to be hold them accountable to that culture, but more importantly, hold yourself to that accountable feature within the culture. So if you're going to broadcast to your organization that you're hardworking, you need to show that you're hardworking. If you're going to broadcast that you have integrity, you need to show integrity and you need to be a, a model for that. We call them shining stars. So we highlight those individuals. Uh, and then we also do a entire group monthly meeting where it's used to be called the employee of the month meeting, right? So it was just a celebration of employees. Uh, it, actually transformed over the years and we've actually gave it a rating system now uh, and it became the spin to win uh, uh, meeting. So what happens there is uh, we have three individuals that get highlighted for one for each department. Uh, they're the, the clear winner and that is completely based on ratings and the ratings are so simple and easy to achieve and so easy to document that it became a competition for everybody. And now it's a scoreboard in our, in our office to see who's winning and who's going to hold that leaderboard to spin the win and get an opportunity to win a big, significant prize. Three days PTO, uh, you know, they'll get a $500 gift card. They might get a TV, whatever comes up on that wheel. Uh, and it really transformed our culture there. So you're creating an environment where people are excited and then enthused to be next to their coworkers, learning from each other. And most importantly, you have a system that you've created that's really helped you scale and expand. Can you talk about the greatest challenge that you had as a co-founder or that maybe you continue to have it, um, as you as you have built this company to help scale it to where it's at today, what was one big challenge that you had to overcome? I think the biggest challenge so far uh, has been the buy-in, right? So getting the buy-in now is a little different than it was before. Uh, before the buy-in was sharing the vision with the group and letting them really buy into that vision and really want to be a part of it. It was a lot easier um, when they were looking at me solely or Carlos solely together, uh, I, I always say me as it's we, right? When they looked at us collectively, um, they would, you know, would gravitate to want to work hard for us or be there with us. Now the challenge is to, to show how you do that to other entrepreneurs who are opening their own franchise business. So that's become a challenge because they have to buy in to the culture and then they have to broadcast that culture through them into back to their businesses. So that's been a big challenge uh, of recent. Uh, but again, as we learned what that looks like, it comes back to the very same principle. If they see that you're living your core values and they see that you're there doing what you're broadcasting, they're going to buy in. It's just going to take a little bit of time to show it because they're remote. They're not here anymore. Yeah, you mentioned that they're in 12 different states and different markets, so they're not always going to be able to be 
watching and learning by action. Right. So there's got to be a line of communication that you guys continue to advance to get your messaging out there. What is one of the greatest challenges that you have in, in building relationships with people that are not in your backyard? That's a great question. That is something that I'm still learning and I am still trying to learn more of. I don't have the answer to that one because it, it it's different in our world today where you can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm down the street. Let's go have a cup of coffee. I'll meet you for breakfast. Let's go out to lunch. I'll meet you for nine holes of golf, right? Let's, let's spend some time together. Now it's about, let me get you on a Zoom call and meet you on a computer and talk to you through a screen. It's, it, I don't think the personalized touch is there. Uh, so we're using old school tools, flying out and visiting and making time for those individuals, whether it's two days or three days or, or one day, a fly in and a fly out. It's expensive, but I think it's so mandatory because to build those relationships in person, right? To sit across the person, there's a lot more than just looking at a screen or looking them in the eyes. There's a sense of, of vibration you feel from somebody. There's a sense of, uh, of connectivity from somebody. And that's very hard to get through a screen. I can also imagine that some of these franchisees will come to you through some of their challenging times where they're making a transition from one business or one industry and going all in to bet on themselves. But they're also, in many ways, betting on you. And so you take ownership of that, of that feeling of them coming to you looking for an opportunity to help chase, help them chase their their American dream. Where, where do you see the company growing in the next five years? So 12 states. We really have a goal to hit all of the, the 48 uh, within the, the continent. We'd love to get to Hawaii and Alaska. Absolutely. Would we do it? For sure. You know, would we go to Puerto Rico? Of course. Uh, would we go worldwide? Absolutely. Um, really, this business is, is necessary anywhere that you have plumbing, <laughs> uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, our real vision now is to take it to at least 300 franchises across the country. Um, that we're going to be able to service our clients the same way that we do here locally. So 300 units or 300 franchisees who can then turn into 300 units or franchisees. Yep. Uh, and then they have multiple territories. There's about, I believe, uh, if I, if I was to, without looking at my documents, I believe there's about 700 territories available, uh, to do it, which is really nice is because the white space that we have, uh, in the restoration market, uh, is wide open at this point. Cause we're just starting out in that space with the, the help of authority brands, right? They, they've got a history of doing this. They own 15 other franchise groups, such as Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, Mr. Sparky, One Hour Heating and Cooling, um, HomeWatch Caregivers, uh, and the Cleaning Authority, all massive companies. They've, done, they've got huge market share across the country, um, and they've shown through their own experiences how to do it. So they're giving us all those tools to help us elevate that and get to that position. So they had a restoration company within one of their umbrellas, and then they identified you guys as yep. the uh, system in place to follow and the model. In fact, they changed the name of the, the restoration company to Drymedic because they appreciated so much your attention to detail with the system. So that's a great point. So they did absolutely own and purchase a restoration brand that had 22 franchisees with approximately, I want to say about 150 territories in those franchise areas, uh, in those offices. Um, what they were lacking was systems and process that they were looking to uniform and unify because without systems and process, what are you? You're just a name, right? Um, and, and all of a sudden you lose quality. And then once you lose quality, what happens? and you lose the name, right? So that name doesn't have an impact. So now what they looked at is they, when they were through the acquisition process, they've identified the, the opportunity that we had for them. Uh, they really, really thoroughly liked the name that we had. 
uh, and then they really loved our systems and processes. And then uh, lastly, uh, what Carlos liked to say, pulled the rabbit out of the hat is they liked our franchise experience. Um, you know, Carlos has a ton of franchise experience. I'm a, I'm a operations guy. So systems and processes is what I'm about, uh, which fit perfect in a franchise model. Uh, and then they loved our culture. When they started going through this whole system, they started to see the culture that we built and what we did. Uh, and they wanted us to, you know, push that out. And quite frankly, they're taking a lot of our systems and process and now incorporating those in their other brands. So we have brand leadership meetings. We communicate, we discuss how we can help each other out. At the end of the day, we're in a service brand business. Um, at the end of the day, you're in somebody's home, right? So if you can get a homeowner to open the door and welcome you with open arms, it's a lot easier to do business with them than them welcoming you in and worried about how, who's in their house or what they're doing there. Yeah. A lot of times you, they open the door and you're a breath of fresh air, right? They're yep. there. To, they want to give you a hug and say, please help me return yep. me back to some kind of normalcy here. Right. We talked about culture. I would love to learn a little bit more about teamwork. You mentioned some of the fun ways that you build culture within. What are some of the, uh, the ways that you look at teamwork, team building that have been very helpful to you? So we've utilized, this, um, again, I told you a value um, when we hire new employees and not losing them. So we had to figure out ways to do that without, uh, but still hold them accountable, right? A lot of ways of old methodologies were, you know, suspend them for five days, uh, you know, dock their pay for, for that damage they created. You know, those ways uh, don't resonate well in today's market. So we created a reward system they actually lose on if they don't perform their services. So uh, an example of that is it's the most basic example of all. Um, a lot of companies have problems with uniforms. Guys not coming in with proper attire on. They didn't shave. You know, they, they didn't brush their hair as far as brushing their teeth. You know, so, and these people are, are the forefront of your business. So what we did through that spin to win program was adopt this model that says, hey, when you walk in the door, the coordinator that checks you in every morning is checking a box that you're in uniform, you've shaved, you look presentable. She checks the box. And when they get to work, if they punched in on time, they check the box. And then they, uh, they, they accumulate points to become a part of the spin to win. We took it one step further. Then we said, okay, we're going to create an incentive program for everybody because, again, challenging times. People want to make some more money. They want to make, uh, they want to make a, a better future for themselves. What we decided was instead of raising the hourly pay, let's keep our hourly pay at a market value, right? We gave everybody a raise and we came to market value. And then we created an incentive structure. And what that was is now they've got a piece of every job that we do. And how do they earn that piece? They got to have their attendance in order, which was already checked. Their appearance already has to be in order, which was checked. They have, to, uh, they have to complete all of their tasks in the time that was given by their manager, which is all systemized in our, in our program. That's a check. It's all achievable. It's all so simple, very, very hard to fail on to earn that extra dollar or 50 bucks or $100, whatever that incentive is for those jobs. Now, if he calls in because he had a late night, maybe he had a rough day, maybe he forgot to wash his clothes, I'm sorry, you'd lose out on those jobs that you would have made that extra $25 on. So now you've just affected your own pay because of your lack of willingness to perform your job and duty. I don't have to hold you accountable to it. You held yourself accountable to it. So now that breeded this whole new thing. So what we started to see was instead of guys coming in and work and saying, Oh, it's, is it four o'clock yet? Can I go home? Like, what is there? It's four. I'm done. I, I cleaned my van. I'm ready to go home. Now they're saying it's four o'clock. 
There's a new job on the board. How, is it, can I get that job? I want that job. I, I need another couple jobs extra. And now they're seeing a, an increase in everybody fighting for more work. Guys want to work the overtime. So it transformed it and it all became, we've eliminated the ceiling. You're not just an hourly employee. You're a partner in the jobs. Yeah. People want ownership. They want to have, they want to take pride in what they do. And I think you're creating an opportunity for them to do so. And the accountability part is up to them. It's right. just checking the boxes, doing what you're supposed to do, but earning credits for it or getting docked for not, for not doing what you're supposed to do. And, and that makes it so much easier because now I'm not, you know, in our field of service, once you go through a training, there's thousands and thousands of dollars into development of each employee, you know, and outside of the development of those employees, now you've got to be able to um, keep them engaged. And then always our competitors are out how to hunt, uh, you know, headhunting, looking to take good quality employees. So why wouldn't you look at an industry leader and say, I want those guys working for me. So you always have to deflect that as well. So how do you do that? You do it with culture and you do it with proper pay and you do it with a lot of respect. So we continue to do that with these employees and we look at them as friends and family. We look at them as, as brothers and sisters. We don't look at them as just a, a, an employee with an employee badge and employee number. And we all say to everybody, you have the chance to write your own paycheck. It's just how hard do you want it and how bad do you want it? And if they're willing to work hard, they're going to make a good living. Plus, 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 plus. I'd like to change direction a little bit. Uh, you, you guys have a very sophisticated marketing uh, operation, right? It's somebody has an emergency. You, you do what you need to do to be at the top of, of the SEO and, mm -hmm. and to be that problem solving service right at the top. There are opportunities though, where your people can go out and source business and they have to develop their own relationships with centers of influence uh, people that are in uh, other industries that can refer them business. How do you go about training your team on how to build relationships externally? That's a great question. So we've developed a system called the RMS, the relationship marketing system, and it's a touch point system. So at every point in our job, we're looking to turn a client to a customer and then back to a client. So we've defined client in our world as somebody that will use us, may refer us, or may lead us to somebody that we can do business for. A customer is the person who signed the contract, set up for service, and we're doing work for. And that goal is to turn that customer back into a client so they can be a champion for us for years. So the way that we do it is, is very strategic. Um, we're always after a positive review on Google, for example. So our project managers are in the beginning of time telling that client, you're going to hold us accountable to the Google rating system. And you're going to hold us accountable to our office. They're going to call you and they're going to check in on you. So we do a touch point for the social media. We do a touch point for the, for the review process. We do a touch point um, as far as an email campaign back to them. And then we do a personalized touch point where we have someone in the office contact in the beginning during the sales process, in the middle during production, and then finally after billing is complete and paid in full. So there's three touch points and we continuously do that every day. Then we go into what we call the guerrilla marketing, okay? And that's the, the down-home marketing, the, the very important, often always overlooked, simplistic, stylistic. If I see a guy with a plumbing shirt on, I'm introducing myself. Hey, bud, you do plumbing? I need a plumber. I always look for more plumbers. It's not give me work. It's let me give you more work, right? So we go back to what you teach a lot, Derek, and that's, Hey, not what can I do? What can you do for me? But what can I do for you? Right? So we take that approach quite often. And by doing so, 
We're building rapport with those individuals, and then they're going to eventually need our services, whether they have somebody that they're using that or not. There's always going to be a day where somebody can't get to a job in a timely manner. So we want to have that opportunity to do that. So we utilize that. And then as far as the SEO and all of the uh, online presence, it's a work in progress at all times. It never, ever stops. We never say, oh, we've mastered it. We're, we're only doing it that way. No, it's always what is, what's happening next. Who can I talk to to learn more about it? What are, what are others doing in the industry or other industries that we can incorporate with our, our campaigns? Uh, and then finally, when we're busy, we don't take our foot off the gas, right? So often you get complacent. You get, you get so happy with what's coming in. You're like, eh, I can pull off that social media marketing or that, that digital marketing for, for $2,000 a month. I'm going to back that off. I'm going to take it to 500. You might as well just throw that 500 away because you're just not, you're not all in. So keeping that foot on the gas, keeping it moving forward. That was so important for us. That kept us where we're at. And like everything else it up and flows, right? So there's always another guy out there willing to put the money out to do a little bit more. You just got to stay the course and patience, patience, patience. There's also new technologies that are always being incorporated. It doesn't seem like a day goes by that we we haven't heard. You need to be using artificial intelligence and chat GPT. Have you guys incorporated some of that new technology into some of your old processes? And if so, has that have you seen the rewards of that yet? Absolutely. So a lot of uh, our project managers, you know, they're hands on. They're they're gritty guys. They're 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 very in depth in doing the work. They're very knowledgeable. Um, but they don't have the linguistic ability that is required in some of the cases. So ChatGTP is a great resource for them. They'll type up a whole summary of events and, and they'll go to ChatGTP and ask it to clean it up or make it relatable to somebody that can read it, like to their audience. Uh, and then they'll get it back and they'll look at it like, man, look what, look what this just did. And I say, yep, you know, that's just one of the pieces that are for the technology to help you understand to, you know, give, get better communication out there. So for communication tool, it's absolutely wonderful, right? It works really well. It helps us in that. Um, some of the other things that are happening in our industry, um, the use of GPS and Bluetooth technology is, is evolved. So we're on the forefront of that as well. So we're looking at new technology uh, that Phoenix has created, where now when we place equipment in a room, we can just arrive with our cell phone and press a button and it'll take all of the readings, it'll take all of the measurements, and it'll put it all in one place. So it's easy and there's less... Uh, less burden for our technicians and time to go out and monitor a, a site. So what used to take us an hour and a half now takes about five minutes. So utilizing those technologies, getting comfortable with them, and then now incorporating those into our systems and processes is always evolving. Yeah. That, that, I remember the process uh, about 10 years ago, it was a clipboard and a mm -hmm. pen Yep. and you'd have to walk through the site and that would take you about 90, like you said, about 90 minutes to go ahead and do that. Yep. And now it's, uh, you know, instantaneous. And what's really, really nice is we've embraced uh, a lot of the CRM tools that are out there. We've worked with those partners to in, uh, actually create better systems inside of their, their own software. Um, and what we've created was a compliance list that really, honestly, uh, when we were going through acquisition with authority brands, they looked at that and, and, and they literally had to stop me midway. They're like, okay, I get it. Like, this is, this is amazing. Like this, this checks everything off. You can't miss a beat here. You're not missing stuff. So like that evolving of continuously working on that list and making sure that we're all doing it. And then being able to take those, those items on that list and, and compartmentalizing them into people in seats 
and then identifying how to broadcast that to the team and how to understand their roles and responsibilities, all was utilizing technology to do that, right? So very important because we have tools and we learn how to use those tools to help us be more efficient. That, that way we can take on more jobs. More jobs, more money, more opportunity. More help. Yes, yeah, and, more ways and, to help. And more, more ways, ways to, to help. serve. And, and 100%, it, comes, it always comes back to that. And, and again, that culture piece, right? Helping others get to their needs. Some people, it's financial. Some people, it's getting married. Some people, it's just going out and uh, being a good person, right? They just need help to get there. Uh, taking people out of bad situations, you know, and getting help to get cleaned up and fixed up and taken care of. Everybody needs something. We all are broken in some way. So if we can help others, we're going to get gratification from that. Money comes, money goes. But what you've done in this life to help others accelerate is all that matters. I'd love to get a perspective on you. Was there somebody in your life when you were transitioning from one industry to the next through your story? Uh, was there somebody that was an important mentor to you? And was there one piece of advice that you could look back on? And when they said X, that really opened up my eyes. So there's many. Uh, and really, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very outgoing. So I, I always like to learn from individuals, but there one big part for me when we were transitioning from, you know, selling the company into working for a larger group to help broadcast what we're doing. Uh, I talked to a very dear friend of mine and I said, you know, I'm going through a lot mentally this, you know, I didn't think it was going to weigh on me this hard. I kind of felt like a piece of my identity was given off. Um, my wife doesn't like when I say this, but the truth is I say, you know, it's like giving your daughter away in marriage to another man to take it, to take her off and, and, and grow a family with, um, I'll always be there, but I'm not the influence anymore. Right. So there was that transitionary period. And a friend of mine said to me, Ben, I just want you to remember one thing who's been through these things, who's, who leads a large corporation. He said, Ben, um, I just want you to remember something. What, what got you here? And, and we talked about it and he said, okay. Now, don't forget who you are. Don't lose what you did to get you here. Stay yourself. Be you. And I didn't think about it at first. I said, okay, that's great advice, you know, pretty cool. And then over the months, and now especially the last three months, uh, I hear that often. Be yourself. Don't conform. Just be, do, do have that same drive you had. Continue to do what you, you believe in. Continue to do what you said you were out to do. Uh, just be you. Be yourself. And honestly, it's helped me tremendously. Uh, and that allowed me to continue to carry forward. Yeah, your, your clients are counting on you. Your customers are counting on you. And your franchise, franchisees are also counting on you too. So it's great advice. Yeah, it really was. And it, and it resonated, you know. So somewhere out there, and I don't know when somebody picks this up. It could be three weeks, three months, three years from today. They hear the Ben Jurgis story. And, you know, maybe they're aspiring to be in your seat. What advice might you have for them? Um, it honestly don't give up on your dreams. Um, be relentless, uh, be methodical, document what you're doing, write it down, put it in a diary somewhere. Or, you know, if you put a mental note, you take good mental notes, revisit those notes. Um, and, and don't lose your grit. You know, don't, don't ever take no for an answer. Um, and as long as you work in the best interest of what you're doing and not for a self-interest, you will succeed. As soon as you lose that, as soon as you start being uh, self-interested uh, and your ego gets out of whack, you're, you're, gonna, you're either going to have two ways. You're going to do some harm to yourself or you're going to do harm to others. So keep that motivation of go, go after it. Don't stop and do it the right way. 
and always have the best intentions at heart. Yeah, I love that. That's great advice, man. Well, congratulations on the growth. We'll have to have you back Thank you. once you celebrate the 300 number because I, I know wait. that's that's coming as on deck. <laughs> Is there a year in mind? Are you saying like year three, year five from today? Well, we're really looking at a, at a five-year goal. Um, I, I think the real the the reality of it is about 50 a year that we're going to start to really cruise through um, as soon as we start to really get some movement, uh, especially in the last three months. We really started to see a tremendous explosion. Um, we've got a great Fran Dev team uh, that's actually led by uh, one of our guys that was with us at Dry Medic. It's Carlos's brother, Dominic. He helps lead that. He's been phenomenal at, at talking about Dry Medic and what we do. Uh, and really leading and helping to select the right entrepreneur to do it because not everybody's cut for this business. You know, you just can't take anybody and sell it. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve the lifestyle of people and we're trying to help get them to their financial goals as well as their personal goals. Well, when you open up Hawaii and you need a <laughs> keynote speaker to come out and train the team on networking and relationship, Billy, I'm your guy. I love it. I love it. I can't wait. Well, you're going to have to teach me how to surf. We have to learn together. All I've right. actually never been on a longboard. Really? Everything I do has been uh, been off the back of the boat. I so, love it. Yeah. I love it. We got to get out there then. Well, well I, and I know we have an upcoming date on the golf course soon. Looking and we forward need to, to it. revisit that. I look forward uh, to it. We had a great time last night. We did. Yep. We did. Well, again, congratulations on all your success. Thank it's you. been a tremendous ride just to watch you from afar. Been friends since we were little kids and, and seeing the growth today. And uh, I just know that there, there's a lot coming on this next chapter for you. So congratulations to you and your Thank team. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Power Connector podcast with Ben Jurgis, co-founder of Dry Medic and vice president of integration and operations at Authority Brands. We'll see you soon. Thank you.